Okay, kids, yes or no, as loud as you can. How many of you are excited for Christmas tomorrow? Not bad, not bad. Parents, do you remember when you were little how excited you were for Christmas, maybe watching your kids get ready for Christmas? I can remember as a kid being incredibly excited. Now, I don't remember what time I was told I had to be in bed. I know it was early, but I do remember what time I was allowed to get up. My parents said, you are not allowed to get up before 5 a.m. on Christmas Day. That was the rule, 5 a.m. And man, we would sleep in until at least 5. Then we would get up, tear open the gifts, and as you're open, I wonder if it's what I hoped for. Is it? Is it not? Sometimes it was. Sometimes it wasn't, which prompted me to put a question out on social media this week that many of you answered. I said, hey, what is the weirdest or most disappointing gift you've ever received? And some of these are just fantastic. Rhonda said, one time my husband got me the exact same tapestry that he got me the year before, and it's been hanging in the foyer all year long, and he didn't know, just got me the same one. (laughs) That was funny. Um, Let's see. Uh, Amanda Rodriguez said, it wasn't just that the first year we were married, uh, my husband got me a vacuum. The second year, he got me a different vacuum. And the third year, he got me a gun. (laughs) That's a great gift, a gun. Uh, Mark said, one time when I was in high school, I really, really, really wanted a pair of Jordans. I like Jordans. And so I asked my mom, and she bought me a knockoff pair, but put them in a real Nike box and thought I wouldn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, oh, I love this one. Listen, Kai says, the, the year I turned 16, that Christmas, uh, there was a small box under the tree, and I was so excited. When I unwrapped the box, there was a pair of keys in there, and I was so excited. I grabbed the keys, ran outside, expecting to see my new car, only to have my dad meet me at the door and say, no, 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 that's just a spare set to my car. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, there's some. You could, you could go and read. But maybe the piece de resistance is that... Teresa said her husband Greg's grandmother bought them this little jewel right here. That, that is a crocheted toilet paper holder that's supposed to sit on the back of the toilet. If, if you don't have one of those, are you really living? I don't know. Like that is amazing. In fact, Teresa's auctioning it off in the foyer this afternoon. Well, You know, there is a lot of anticipation. We all know what it's like to anticipate something. Maybe it's Christmas morning tomorrow. Maybe you remember anticipating graduating one day or watching a child graduate. Maybe you remember anticipating a loved one coming home after serving overseas. Maybe the birth of a child after nine long months of waiting. Maybe you can't wait to have your family come and visit and stay with you. And then you can't wait till they leave and go back home. We all know what it's like to anticipate something. The joy of receiving it. But, but most of us also know kind of the heartbreak that we feel sometimes when, when what we anticipated didn't happen. Did you know we don't outgrow anticipation or disappointment? We don't outgrow that. We don't outgrow excitement and celebration. We don't out, 
grows sorrow and sadness. And see, this Christmas season, if we're honest, which I know it's church, it's hard to do sometimes, but for many of us, sometimes we come here on a day like this and there's a mixture in our lives of anticipation and disappointment. Celebration and sadness. Maybe the celebration is we are getting to continue the traditions that our family has done for years. Or maybe this is the first Christmas with a little one. Or maybe the year was so spectacular that you're just sitting back and celebrating. You, anticipation and celebration. Maybe others, though, it's more sadness or disappointment. Friends and family aren't, aren't close this year. Maybe there was an unwanted career change. Maybe there's an, there's an empty seat at the table the first time. It's been six years since my dad passed away, uh, seven years since my father-in-law passed away, two of the most important men in my life, and there's not a season that goes by that I'm still not a little disappointed that they're not there. Maybe it was a diagnosis you didn't expect this year. Maybe this year you're like, man, my faith struggled so much. I don't even know if Jesus works for me. So some of you are celebrating. Praise God, we want to celebrate with you. Some of you are powering through, and you feel like maybe things will get better if I just get better. Listen, if Christmas means anything, it means hope is much closer than you think. It's much closer than you think. Maybe you didn't know this, and it might be hard to imagine, but the world that we live in today is not how it originally was. When God first created the world, there was only joy and celebration. Everything was perfect. Sin hadn't affected anything. Adam and Eve had a perfect climate. No tornadoes and no mosquitoes. And if they were there, they didn't bite. Amen? They enjoyed work, but no ugly gray office cubicles. They had good food, but no love handles. They had relationships with zero drama. And more than that, they had the very presence of God literally with them. They walked and talked with him until one day, maybe you know this, Satan showed up and convinced them that God cannot be trusted. And they sinned, and their sin caused our world to fall into destruction. So every misery, sadness, tear, war, act of disobedience is all a result of that one sin. But God made a promise. Say amen if you believe our God is a promise maker. He made a promise, but he's not just a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. He keeps all of his promises. And on the heels of that wicked sin, the love of God shined so bright that God made a promise to them, to mankind, to you, that one day he said, I'll send a savior. One day I'll send a rescuer to restore and rebuild everything that's been broken. And then hundreds of years after that promise was made to Adam and Eve, there was a prophet named Isaiah, and he came along who reminded everyone Hey, God hasn't forgotten. He keeps his word. His Savior is still coming. And Isaiah tells us this in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He says, For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Listen to this. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of peace, And the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end and he will reign on the throne of David and his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. 
Isaiah said that Savior's coming one day, and he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We know him as Jesus. Let's talk about him for a minute. Lord, thank you for today, for anticipation and disappointment, celebration and sorrow. I pray that you would be present and real in the midst of all of that, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, what we just read, Isaiah, was written by the prophet who lived, listen, 700 years before Jesus walked and was born on this earth. What he wrote about Jesus was so accurate and so specific in the prophecies about what would happen that people have tried to deny that he lived 700 years before. How could anyone know that much detail? It's almost like God inspired him to write what he wrote. And Isaiah was like, hey, listen, God hasn't forgotten the promise will be fulfilled. A Savior is coming. But by the time of Jesus' birth, the anticipation that they felt was beginning to be more like maybe disappointment. Is God ever going to keep his word? Will he come through? If you look around, the world was filled with trouble and chaos and fear and loneliness and depression and oppression and loneliness. You know, we're not the first people to ever experience or feel those things. And so they were wondering, are we alone in this world? Are you listening? Rome has overtaken us. Are you coming? They felt alone. Did you know that a deep, maybe the deepest desire hardwired in every human being is a desire to not be alone? You know, a lot of times we don't need to change the situation. You don't really have to make it better. I just, I don't want to be alone in it. I don't mind doing hard. I just don't want to do hard all by myself. I want people and Isaiah said, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then you get to that moment in that Bethlehem stable where God declared to the world, I'm keeping my promise. And God didn't just send a Savior into the world. He brought himself, what the Bible calls Emmanuel, which means God with us. God chose to be with us. Because God is for us. You couldn't keep God away. God didn't stay away. And one author said, God came as a baby because he wanted to remove all barriers. He came vulnerable so that, so that we could feel like we could be vulnerable with him. And God walked in the garden with our first parents, and he came and walked in this world again. Listen, he stepped out of heaven so that one day, by trusting him, we could actually step back into paradise and into heaven. He stepped out so we could step in, and it cost him everything. He was crucified, buried, but rose again. And he didn't come to make our life perfect as much as we would like that to be. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that's us apart from him to indwell us with his spirit, to seal us for heaven, to make us sons and daughters, to rebuild and restore. And it is human nature to be searching for something. Every one of you is still searching for something. And it's been 2,000 years since Christ was born, but I promise you that what you're searching for is still found in that Bethlehem stable. That the moment that Mary touched the face of God, God said to the world, there's no place that I'm unwilling to go. There's no place too common, no heart too cold, no life too broken, no sin too great, no distance too far. There's no limit to his love. 
And his love heals grief. It, it, it restores loneliness. It, it, it supports heartache. And it's actually even more spectacular than the best thing that's ever happened to you. That's why Isaiah said when he comes, we're going to call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That the name of Jesus is the name that's lifted up, the name that shakes the heavens and the earth. It's the hope for every heart. He's the Savior of the world. And what you're searching for today will only be found in Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to do this morning, we're almost done, is my invitation to you is slow down for just a minute and really think about the meaning of Christmas. I think God uses days like this to get your attention because what we say around here all the time is that if the devil can't slow you down, then he'll speed you up. And we're all searching for something. But don't slide into 2024 and not find what you desperately need we got stuff all around us, but we're still searching. But, but only Jesus. He is the only source of hope and life and peace and joy. And that's, that's why we've been lighting candles all month long, because the, the words of the candles point to what Jesus embodies. And so we've had hope candle, love, joy, and peace. And on this day, we, we light the final candle, which is the Christ candle. And what I love about lighting this candle is when you light the Christ candle, you can extinguish the other ones. Because Christ is everything, completely sufficient for all of our needs, not only now, but for eternity. And so we light the Christ candle because everything points to him and is found in him. You your satisfaction awaits in Jesus Christ. And then what is so powerful about this moment, and many of you, you love the Christmas candlelight moment. That's why you're here. I mean, you, you love it. It's a beautiful picture. You, we'll put it on Instagram. It's our, it's our post. We love it. It's great. I got pictures of 18 years with my son lighting a candle. But it's not just the candle that's so spectacular. Listen, don't miss this. What happens in this moment is the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. How a life gets changed and how other lives get changed. See, the Christ candle points to Jesus. In his death, burial, and resurrection has provided everything that you need for salvation in this life and the next. And by repenting of our sin and believing in him, we're made alive. So at 19 years old, I was dead in my sins and separated from God. I was an unlit candle. But the message of Jesus Christ came to me. I heard it. I repented and believed, and God made me alive, indwelled me, sealed me, made me his. And the light that God put inside of me can never be taken out. Sadness, joy, celebration, disappointment, it doesn't matter. The Bible says no weapon formed against me will prosper. And it doesn't matter what happens in this life. The best year, the worst year, full of tears or full of laughter, like I am his and he is mine. And so Jesus made me alive. And then what happens is when I tell other people the good news of Jesus, the gospel is proclaimed person to person. 
So when my candle lights another candle, that's a picture of me telling someone about Jesus and them telling another. So when the candles are lit in this room, it's a picture of God changing one life after one life and one life that's been changed telling another life that needs to be changed. Do you see it? It's not just candles. It's a story. And so I'm going to invite my family to join me on the platform. And I'm I'm going to light the candles for my family. And then it's our honor to pass the good news of Jesus along to you. And so we will we will come down and some of our team will help and we'll, we'll, we'll light. And as each candle is lit, that's what Jesus does. He changes one life at a time. And it's a picture of the mission and vision of our church to literally saturate this area 